Welcome to the podcast, From Our Home to Yours, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. It's where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello, dear ladies. Today we are continuing our series of living in the glory of womanhood. We're continuing point number six, which is uh, raising young men to be strong uh, is our glory. Well, it's their glory, uh, but it's also our glory because we are the ones who are raising them. And I'd like to just share a little poem with you as I think about young men. I wrote this for young men and it's called Young Man of Valor. Young man of God, will you guard your eyes and keep them only for your greatest prize? The wife God planned for you from the beginning. She'll be enough to keep your head a-spinning. Don't waste your emotions looking at other girls, no matter how special or gorgeous their curls. Instead, keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. Follow his leading and you'll never be flawed. Young man of might, will you guard your heart? Don't give your feelings to any upstart. Keep your heart disciplined and wait for the time when God gives you his choice. It will be sublime. A daughter of virtue who has kept herself pure, who follows after truth and trusts God for sure. One who loves children and keeping the home and who delights to serve without a moan. Young man of valour, will you keep your body pure for your wedding day when it's bliss for sure? Will you start your marriage on a holy foundation? For this is the way to strengthen the nation and establish a family that will endure any test. For God will be with you and you will be blessed, even in the storms, the wind and the battles of life, if you keep the covenant with your lovely wife. Well, if you'd like to have that poem for your, for your young boys growing up, you can email me at nancy at org, and I'll be happy to send it to you. So we're continuing uh, our thoughts about raising uh, young men to be strong in the Lord, for that is their glory. And we read in the last session how that uh, in First John chapter, chapter 2, verse 14, it says, I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. And uh, you have overcome the wicked one. So how do they become strong, mothers? It's by having the word of God in them. Therefore, as mothers, of course, along with our husbands, their fathers, we need to get the word of God into our sons right from when they are little. We don't start when they get older. We start at the beginning. Where's the beginning? Well, I believe the beginning is in the womb. You can even speak the word of God over your little babe in the womb. 
And then when the little baby's born and you're nursing your baby at the breast and you're sitting around the table with your older children and your father is reading the word to the children, your little baby's there and that word is going into their hearts and they won't understand, but somehow it's going in because the word of God is not an ordinary book. The word of God is alive and active. And the Bible tells us that in the homes uh, of those who love the Lord and where his word uh, is read, that it prepares our children for salvation. Second Timothy, Second uh, Timothy 3.15, let me go to it. And it says, this is Paul writing to Timothy, and he says, and that from a child, Thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. Remember, in another passage, it talks about uh, his mother and his grandmother who taught him the Word of God. Now, it's interesting that there's no mention of a father even or a grandfather in that Scripture. Maybe his father uh, didn't walk with the Lord. And yet this mother and grandmother were faithful to teach Timothy in the word. Perhaps you are a mother listening and your husband really isn't walking with the Lord. Or maybe uh, he, he just is reticent about reading God's word to your family. Well, Dear mother, you can still get the word into your children. God will show you how, and maybe as your husband goes off to work early, you can take devotions with them at the breakfast table. You can read the word to them. And uh, you can get the word into your children just like uh, Timothy's mother and and grandmother did. Uh, even though there was no mention of a father. And it says here, yes, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, from a child, that word child in the Greek is the word brephos, B-E-R-E-P-H-O-S. And that word is used of a babe in the womb. It's used of when... um. Jesus was in the womb. And then again, it's used of a newborn babe. That was used of Jesus too. And how the shepherds came uh, to see and, and the angel said, you'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger. And so it speaks of the newborn. And then Brephos speaks of a toddler and a little child. So it's from the womb and birth and just growing up as a little one. It's not waiting till they're older. It's when they're little that you are putting the Holy Scriptures into their lives. So from a child... From a little one, thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith that is in Christ Jesus. In a home where the word of God is being constantly read and the little ones are hearing it, they can come to a readiness for salvation quite early, even Four years of age, 
maybe even three years of age, I remember when little Breezy, our granddaughter, she was only about three years of age, and she was with us at family devotions, and my husband was reading the word, and he just saw the presence of God all over Breezy, and he felt she was so ready to receive Jesus. And he said to her, Breezy, would you love to ask Jesus into your heart? She says, oh, yes. And, and she followed him in prayer, asking Jesus to come into her heart. And it was amazing. The next few days, she was just going around singing and oh, making up songs of how Jesus was in her heart. And Breezy will be 10 in a couple of weeks and she is just still walking with Jesus. I love watching her in church with, without any pressure from anyone, just on her own and we're worshipping the Lord and she has her hands up just raised in worship to God. Such a beautiful thing to see in a young girl. With our own children, most of our own children came to know Jesus at about four years of age. And they are all continuing to walk with the Lord today. That, that experience was, wasn't something that was forgotten. It was something that they remembered in their lives and have continued to walk with the Lord. I believe it is important for our children to find Jesus at a young age because the enemy is after their souls. The sooner that Jesus comes into their lives and there is an openness to Christ and to his word to come into their lives, that the more they can walk with him. You see, even we as adults, we have to learn to walk in victory. We have to learn with all the different situations we face to say no to the devil and yes to Christ, because we have two natures living within us. We have that old fleshly nature. But of course, we have Christ who dwells within us, and we want him to fill our lives. We don't want that old nature to rise up. And so when we face temptation, when we just face situations, when we want to blow it and just yell and scream or get mad and angry, or whether we just even have this bad attitude to our husband. That's a flesh. That doesn't belong to Jesus. And we have to learn to say no to the devil. Yes to Christ. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you dwell in my heart. I thank you for your love that is within me. Oh, thank you. And you're saying yes to Christ, yes to his nature. And so we teach our children this. We don't have to wait till they're older for them to learn to walk in victory. When they're facing these little things and they get angry and mad, we teach them. That's the old nature. But darling, you have Jesus living in you now. His nature his nature wants to love. His nature doesn't get angry and mad. His nature forgives. And so we teach our children about how Christ dwells in them. And they can say yes to him. And the more they get in the habit of saying yes to him, the more they learn to live uh, 
and abide in Christ and live in the nature of Christ and be conformed to the image of his son. And so we start when they are young and we keep going. And uh, we just get our children into the Word. My husband was reading out an article this morning uh, just before we started our family devotions. And um, it was saying, yes, I wrote it down. It said, biblical, well, Bible illiteracy is at a crisis point in our nation. Now, I have to agree with this writer. Bible illiteracy is at a crisis point in our nation because I find that so many young people in our church today don't know God's Word. They know so much about sport. They know so much about the latest movies. They know so much about social media. But if you ask them a scripture, they don't know it. Oh my, I have been just doing a little uh, competition recently at our family camps and different family gatherings that we've been at and asked to speak. And I've been speaking about the Word of God and encouraging parents to get the Word into their, their children. I've said, okay, now let's just see how well we know the Word of God, shall we? And so I have quoted uh, a few very familiar scriptures, ones that I learned as a child, ones that we as Christian parents should be teaching our children. And I would say half the scripture and say, okay, what's the rest of it? Well, I was so sad to realize nobody answered me. Not the mums and dads, not the children, not the young people. Nobody knew the rest of the scripture. Oh, in some places, one or two would get a couple of them right. But mostly, they didn't know them. Dear ladies... That means we are Bible illiterate. This wasn't just the children. This was the mums and dads. How can we as mums and dads get it into our children if we don't know it? That means we are not in the word of God. We've got to get into the word ourselves. Of course, one way I find it such a blessing, although I love to have my own time in the word of God in the early morning, I also love our gathering as a family for family devotions or whatever you like to call it in your family, family Bible reading, family worship or whatever. When we come together and Father reads the word and we're hearing it every morning, we come together again at the evening meal, at the end of the meal, and we're hearing it again. We're getting the word into our hearts now, I would have to say that I guess most of these families are not doing this or they would know these scriptures. How about I have a little try on you? What do you think? Is that a good idea? 
or maybe it's not a good idea. Well, I think I'll give you a little competition anyway. Okay, let me see. I just jotted down a few scriptures to ask you and I wonder where I put them. Let me see where I put them. Okay, I will find them. Here we are. Um, they'll be in this little book somewhere. Let's see where. I haven't got another book there. Now, this is the book they are. Here we are. I just dotted down a few. Okay, I'm going to say it halfway through and see if you can, just in your heart, say the rest of the scripture. Thy word have I hid in my heart that... What comes next? Did you get it? Oh, I know some of you got it. Yes, that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 119 verse 11. That's a wonderful scripture to teach our children, isn't it? And also to have in our own hearts. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. You see, we've either got the word in our hearts or we can be tempted to sin. As uh, one little statement says, the Bible will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the Bible. And uh, so we've got to get it into the hearts of our children. All right, here's another one. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Can you get it? Okay. By taking heed thereto according to thy word. That's Psalm 119 verse 9. Now, that's an important word for our young people to know because it's talking about the young man. How can a young man keep clean? Well, this is the way, having the word of God in his heart. Amen. What are we talking about? Raising young men to be strong. And 1 John 2.14 says, They'll be strong if they have the word of God abiding in their hearts. So lovely mothers, get that word into your children and into your sons. Amen. All right, here's another one for you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. How is it meant to dwell in you? Do you know the word? How is God's word meant to dwell in our hearts? Did you get it? Okay, I'll give you the answer in case you didn't. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Colossians 3.16 not a little bit, not just here and there. It's not enough, darling ladies, for us to take our children to Sunday school on Sunday or church on Sunday or Saturday whenever we worship. No, we've got to get it into them richly, filling their lives. That means every day, every morning, every evening. Amen. All right, John six thirty seven. Jesus said, Him that cometh to me, what? Can you finish it? Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. 
What about Romans 6.23? I learned this as a child. So important for our children to know scriptures about salvation if they're going to be able to lead people to Jesus. Romans 6.23. Do you know it? The wages of sin is death, but... What's the rest? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Such an important one to know, isn't it? Romans 10.13 For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall shall be saved. Amen. Okay, let me just give you one more. Are you getting them all? Oh, that means you're one who knows the word. If you're not, that means, my lovely darlings, you're a little bit illiterate. And we don't want to be illiterate in God's word. We want to be familiar with it, don't we? One more. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. That's Jesus speaking. What does he say next? Do you remember? Okay, say it with me. I'm sure you know it. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Revelation 3.20 Lovely ladies, these are not just obscure verses in the Word of God. They're just very, very, very familiar ones. They're ones we should all know. They're ones that we should be teaching our children to memorize. It's a very great thing to teach your children to memorize the Word of God. I think that was one of the greatest blessings of my childhood Yes, but perhaps even more my uh, growing into youth and, uh, you know, my later teenage years. Um, in those years, I really began to uh, be more purposeful in memorizing the Word of God. I did learn many scriptures as a child, but I really went into memorizing. And uh, it was such a great blessing because as I memorize those scriptures, they are still with me today. And I was blessed to have a father who loved to memorize the word of God. And my father never slept very well. All his life, he only just slept a little bit off and on during the night, but he never got into a state about it. He would just just memorize the word and he'd just go over and over the scriptures and we would learn scriptures together even in his late 80s he was still memorizing scripture in fact he he would memorize whole chapters of the word of god and when he got up to preach he would just the scriptures would just come out of his mouth and he would just quote whole chapters of the word and um so that was a great blessing in my life so I would encourage you, dear ladies, to do this because, okay, we're raising young men to live in their glory, remember? And so if they're going to be strong, they've got to know the word of God and know how to overcome the wicked one. How did Jesus overcome the wicked one? 
Well, we go to Matthew 4 when Jesus was taken out into the wilderness and he didn't just land there. The Bible says that that he was led. God led him into the wilderness where the Satan came to tempt him. And you know, don't you, that every temptation, Jesus came back at the enemy. It is written. The first one was, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We live physically by uh, bread, by food to keep us alive, but we live spiritually by the living bread, the word of God, which keeps us alive spiritually and keeps us strong from the enemy. So if Jesus used the word, my, he showed us the way. We have to do it. We teach our children to do it. We teach our young sons growing up to do it. Amen. Do you remember how uh, Jesus was only 12 years of age and uh, he, uh, they were, had come up to Jerusalem, I think it was for Passover, and um, Anyway, they all began to go home, all the families, and Jesus and his, uh, Jesus' mother and father didn't even notice that he wasn't with everybody. And when they noticed, oh goodness me, they were looking for him everywhere. And they thought, wow, we better go back to Jerusalem. And three days later, they found him in the temple, discoursing, debating, talking, and listening to the teachers in the temple. And uh, there he was, speaking over the things of the word of God. He was only 12 at the time, or we say that was Jesus, the son of God, but he became flesh and blood. And sometimes we think, oh, our children, they don't really have to get interested in the Bible while they're young. One day they will. No, no, no. Why was Jesus able to uh, to just talk about the scriptures with these teachers? Because he would have grown up learning them in his home. Back then in those days, they learned the scriptures, they learned the law, they learned the Torah, they memorized it. And uh, you see, back then too, young men were mature in their youth, even the disciples. Now, most people often think of the disciples of older men. You see pictures of them with their beards and they look older or at least they were the age of Jesus who be, who was 30 years of age when he became a rabbi and gathered um, disciples to himself because the law in Israel was that you had to be 30 years of age before you could be a rabbi and there were lots of rabbis in Jerusalem at that time and each one would gather their own disciples around them but ladies we often get it wrong because the disciples were young. Back then, rabbis didn't gather grown men around them. No, grown men were either a rabbi themselves or they were in their business, their family business. They had to provide for their families. And so they gathered young men. Now, back then, in the time of Jesus, most young men finished their education at about 13 to 15 years of age. 
Now that seems young for us today, doesn't it? But they'd had a good education by that time. Maybe some of them could recite the whole uh, first five books. I mean, they were serious in their education and they knew the word of God. And then they would come out about 13 or 15 and they would either go and uh, be with a rabbi, would be like perhaps going to college and learning more from the rabbi, and or they would get into their father's business. And so it was with all the disciples that Jesus uh, called to be his disciples. Uh, he called Peter, James and John from being fishermen. They had already uh, got involved in their family business as fishermen. And he called them from that and they became his disciples. Later, uh, we know that Peter was the only one who was married. Uh, it speaks of his um, wife. Well, not really. It speaks of his mother-in-law and that they were in his mother-in-law's house and how Jesus healed his mother-in-law. So he was obviously married. And by usually by about 18 years of age, they like to make sure that the young men were married by that time. I know that sounds also young in our society today, but these young men were ready and mature and ready for marriage. They were ready to take on the responsibility of a family. And uh, then, yes, I remember uh, not long before the death of Jesus, Jesus said to Peter, Hey, Peter, go and get a shekel for you and me, because every person who was um, 20 years of age and over, I think it was, they had to pay taxes, and it was half a shekel a year. And so Jesus told Peter to go and uh, get a shekel, half for him, and half Peter, because uh, they were the only two amongst his disciples who needed to pay. The others were all younger. And so they were young men, but they had grown up to be mature in their youth and to take responsibility. And they would have also been very familiar with the word of God, with the with the uh, whole Torah and the Tanakh, the whole of the Old Testament. They had been grounded in it. And so as young teenagers, they were not unfamiliar with the word of God when Jesus called them to be his disciples. So, dear lovely ladies, oh yes, I must give you this scripture. It's found in Hosea chapter 8 verse 12 and it says I have written to him the great things of my law here God is saying I have given you great things in my word that means abundant excellent multitudinous there's just multitudes of wonderful things in my law people and the law, sometimes we think the law, okay, that's just the Ten Commandments. No, the law is the word Torah, and it actually means teaching. It's all the teaching that God has given in his word. So he says, I've given you great things in my law, but they were counted as a strange thing. 
Isn't that sad, ladies? May that not ever be in our families. As you raise your family, don't let that ever be a testimony of your family that the Word of God is a strange thing. Oh, no, don't that let, ever let that be a testimony of your children or your young sons growing up that it's a strange thing. That word has got to be in them. It's got to be richly in them. It, it must not be strange. It must be familiar. These, these basic scriptures of the word of God, if they don't know them, start making them memory verses so that your children can, when you, when you say or just speak just a very uh, familiar verse, they can finish it. They know it. It's in their hearts, not only in their hearts, but in their mouths. You see, lovely ladies, it's not enough to get the word into our children's hearts. We have to get it into their mouths. This is the mandate that God has given to us as parents. Isaiah, Isaiah chapter uh, 59, verse 21, and it says, Okay, I'm sure I've quoted this scripture to you before, but I'm giving it to you again because it is so powerful and it's the mandate God has given to us. And it says, As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord, my spirit which is upon you and my word which I have put in your mouth. Did you notice that, ladies? Doesn't just say the heart. My word, which I have put in your mouth. That's in the mouth of us parents, fathers and mothers. We've got to have it in our mouths so that we can get it into the mouths of our children. So it says, I've put it in your mouth and I do not want it to. It shall not. Yes, not just I don't want. It shall not depart out of your mouth, nor out of the mouths of your children, nor out of the mouths of your children's children, saith the Lord, henceforth and forever. Do you see God's plan? We are getting God's word into the hearts and mouths of our children so that they will pass it on to their children and their children will pass it on to their children for every generation. Amen. Now, God's word is the antidote to deception. Dear mothers, we're raising children in a totally and absolutely deceived world. And the only antidote to the deception that's all around us and in the world and the, in the world is God's word. Now, what does it say in um Yes, I did write a scripture I wanted to read to you. Um, yes, here it is. No, it isn't. <laughs> That's not the one. Um, let's see. Yes, Matthew 24, 24. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and they shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that... If it were possible, 
they shall deceive the very elect. Yes, the deception is so powerful that God says even the elect can be deceived. Therefore, we have to have the be girded up and filled with the Word of God. We've got to get our children filled with the Word of God. So it's coming out their mouths. So it's so familiar with them. So that when they face deception, they discern. They know that's not right. No, because they've got that Word in them, which is the antidote to deception. It... it, it it discovers and discloses uh, the deception. And uh, this is a thing today. Even Christians are being deceived because they don't know the word. They haven't a clue. So they just go along with what society is doing. When all the time, 2 Peter 1.4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, He hasn't just given us promises. No, exceeding, great, precious, that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. If you want your sons to grow up pure and cleansed and holy young men of God, they've got to have the word of God into them. For it is the word that delivers us from corruption. It is the word that keeps us from the lust in this world today. Amen. Oh, lovely ladies, raise your children and your sons to live in their glory, which is to be strong, strong in the Lord and uh, have the word of God in their hearts so they can overcome the wicked one. And as you do that, you are living your glory. Amen. Dear Father, We thank you for your precious word. Yes, you've given to us great things. You've given to us exceeding great and precious promises. Lord, your word is that which keeps us from corruption. Your word is what keeps us from the lust of this world. And Father, we pray that you will anoint us. I pray for every precious mother. Amen. Amen.